0: This is my only shirt that has a Canada flag on it and, and the name Canada on it. So that's why I'm wearing it today. I'm not wearing red to get in your face. I'm just wearing it because I'm representing Canada. So happy Canada Day to everyone. Uh, yeah, great, great to have you here this morning. Well, our theme this year at C4 has been the theme of Believe. You can see it on the banners. They've been up all year long. And we started uh, this year by emphasizing uh, you know who God is and why we should actually believe in Him. Throughout the year, uh, the Anchor series that Pastor John has been taking us through has been through the Gospel of John, where we have been presented with the person and the ministry of Jesus Christ so that we might believe. And just recently, we finished this three-week series in the Old Testament book of Haggai where we were encouraged to believe in what God is already doing and what God wants to do among us. So, this morning, we come to the last message series of the year. I'm kicking off the last message series of our year, our summer series that we're calling We the People. And it's our intent that we round out this ministry year by believing some things about ourselves. Neil Anderson uh, said these great words in a, book, in a book that he wrote. The most important belief we possess is a true knowledge ...of who God is. The second most important belief... ...is who we are as children of God... ...because we cannot consistently behave... ...in a way that is inconsistent... ...with how we perceive ourselves. Am I or are you what we do? A mother, a father, a student, a fireman, a nurse. Or am I what I've achieved? Are you what you've achieved? A bachelor of science, a marathon runner, financial freedom, independence. Or am I what others think of me, or are you what other people think of you? Good looking, shy, funny, a snob. See, how you and I think of ourselves will actually determine how we live our lives. And when we see ourselves as God sees us, we can begin to walk in confidence. We can begin to believe what's true about us and stop believing the influence of the lies that so many of us believe. God has a lot of things to say to me. God has a lot of things to say to you. And especially to those of us who this morning are people who would call ourselves Christ followers. Those who have come to to Jesus Christ in faith, and have invited Christ to be our Lord, our Savior, our Master in our lives. And as we kick off this series, this summer series, as I have the privilege of kicking it off this morning, I want to just anchor our time this morning in one verse. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. So if you want to turn in your Bible or if you want to navigate there, that's what we're going to look at this morning. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. In this verse, the Apostle Paul is telling his first century readers that because they are in Christ, they're brand new people. All of the old stuff in their lives has gone and new things have actually come to them. Paul says that if we are in Christ, we're brand new creations. What a great message for Paul's first century readers to be hearing. Because they're in Christ, they're brand new people. Many of them were slaves, many of them living in very difficult situations, so much political and economic unrest, and always the presence of the latest military power. And Paul says to these struggling first century Christians, if you're in Christ, you're a brand new person. All of the old stuff is gone. And all kinds of newness has come to you. I think this is also a great message for us today. With all that people face in our world today, with all that you and I face, with all that's going on. And as we try to live our lives as individuals, there is a message that Jesus makes all things new. Now, the context of this verse that we're looking at this morning, the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it's embedded in a passage of Scripture where Paul has been talking about reconciliation, about how we're to fear God, and in fearing God and in knowing Jesus Christ, we actually receive reconciliation from God. But not only are we the recipients of reconciliation, but we're to go out and preach and teach and convey to people... That there is this message of reconciliation. Reconciliation between people and God and reconciliation between us and each other. And it's in the midst of that that this great promise comes. That this great fact is shared. This great truth is conveyed that if anyone is in Christ, anyone is in Christ, there are new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And as we consider this newness this morning, to launch this series that we're going to look at in this summer, I want us to concentrate on just two things. I want us to talk about the extent of this newness. And anyway, what I mean by the extent of this newness is, what actually happens? Well, what was Paul talking about? What does the scripture tell us about the extent of this newness that we have in Christ? And then secondly, I want to look at what is the intent then of this newness. Why does that actually happen? What's the purpose of us becoming a new creation? So let's look at the first, the extent of our newness, which is really about our position in Christ. I think most of us in this room, and the kids are in this morning, and if they haven't studied it yet, they'll get to it soon. Remember in science class in school where you studied the butterfly? This caterpillar, this caterpillar, uh, you know, weaves for itself a cocoon, goes inside this cocoon, and then after some time, because I didn't really pay a lot of attention, but after a period of time, a butterfly emerges. Now, Now, here's the point. There's this incredible metamorphosis that takes place. There's this incredible transformation that takes place, but it's the same caterpillar. Everything's changed for the Caterpillar, but it's still the same Caterpillar. And it's the same with us when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. There is a newness that comes to us because we are in Jesus Christ. We are still the same person, but we've been made brand new. Just like the Caterpillar, everything is the same, only completely different. You know, so radical is this change, That Jesus used some really puzzling language when he talked to his listeners in the first century. Jesus in John chapter 3 said, look, you need to be born again. And people queried him and they said, how can a person actually be born again? But what Jesus was trying to say is that when you come to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, the change is so dramatic and the transformation is so radical, it's like you've been born a second time. And so the extent of our newness is so far-reaching for us, it's like being born a second time. I remember as a kid growing up in Northern Ireland, one of my uncles would come visit, and he was always the memorable uncle. Unfortunately, it was for, for two pretty major reasons. The first reason that my uncle Victor was memorable was because he had a terrible stutter. And so, you know, I remember my parents always warning us as kids, you know, not to laugh at Uncle Victor or not to say anything inappropriate to Uncle Victor when he would come over. He was my dad's younger brother. The second reason that Uncle Victor was so memorable was because I still remember in my mind's eye his red face. He was a farmer and so he was out out a lot, out on the land all the time. But he had this bright red face because uh, he was constantly uh, out of breath. Uh, Uncle Victor couldn't really do too much because he, uh, he had a defective heart. And so uh, I, rem- I remember him distinctly as a kid, you know, for these two, two predominant reasons. My Uncle Victor uh, was the recipient, and I think he was the first one in Northern Ireland, of, of uh, heart transplant. So, uh, you know, at some stage in his life, when we were actually, we had moved to Canada... He, um, he got the call and he had to be at a certain place at a certain time because it was a donor heart that was available and that heart was suitable and so they flew him over to England and my Uncle Victor got a new heart. I remember meeting him after, you know, a few years after he'd had the heart transplant and, you know, two things amazed me about Uncle Victor. Number one, the red face had... Greatly diminished, and, and every time he did activity, he would walk around, he would, you know, be greeting people and hanging out with people, and no shortness of breath. The other interesting thing is because of the anti-rejection medication that he was on, his stuttering was completely cured. And so my uncle had changed in this remarkable dramatic way. See, it, it's the same with us the, the extent. Of our newness is that dramatic for us. The scripture says that we we receive a new heart. We're a new creation. We're a new person. The old has gone and the new has come to us. And let me suggest that this newness that scripture talks about. Brings about a reversal of what's actually wrong with us as human beings. You know, some secular humanists will say to us that, you know, we're basically good people and that when we get religion or we come to faith, what happens to us is we just, you know, the good in us just gets amplified. But Scripture doesn't bear that anywhere that is not supported by Scripture at all. First, God transforms us from darkness to light. We move from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. Our very nature is changed, and we get to exchange our sinful nature and to partake in the divine nature. We go from being ruled by the flesh to ruled by the Spirit. We are bought by a new master. We are no longer slaves to sin, but we're now slaves to Jesus. This and so much more comes to us when we are in Christ. And this is the newness that Paul is talking about. We are saints, we are crucified, we are called, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, we have a new name, we are a new people, we are the body of Christ, we are free, we are holy, we are sanctified, we are secure, we are loved, we are cared for, we have provision, we have forgiveness, we are sung over, we are the children of God, and so much more comes to us because we're a new creation. And that's what we're going to be studying throughout these summer weeks. This is who you are. And this is who I am because of my faith in Christ and because of your faith in Christ. And the whole point of this series that we're beginning this morning is that we can begin to believe some things that are actually true about us. But what is our experience like? You know, these are foundational, positional truths, but what is our experience like as individuals? See, many of us don't believe what God has actually said about us. Instead, we believe so many lies about who we are and what we are. We need to daily surrender ourselves to him to die each day in terms of the control of our lives, to choose to live according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh, to believe the things that God has spoken over us and not the lies that the enemy and other individuals have spoken over us. And this series is designed to help you with that. Because it's a daily decision for every one of us. Over 32 years ago, I stood... A lot thinner, with a lot more hair, with my beautiful bride in front of a pastor, in front of our family, in front of our friends, and before Almighty God. And that day, I positionally became married. But the experience is a daily choice. It's a daily choice that I make. It's a daily choice that Jennifer makes. That we are positionally married and nothing can change that That is commitment that we have made before God. But, but how the quality of that thing works itself out every day is actually up to us. It's a choice that we make every morning when we get up. It's a choice that we make every time one of us does something dumb. It's a choice that we make with our words and the words that we choose to use and the words that we choose to leave out. It's the way that we, you know, we we decide whether I want to be in charge or let someone else be in charge. It's, It's a decision of do I want to get my own way or am I willing to yield and submit to the other person. A myriad of choices determine the experience of what positionally we have every day guaranteed. And it's the same with us in Christ. So I want to look for a couple seconds then at the intent of our newness, which is really about our experience. What is the intent of our newness? I think the words that the Holy Spirit gave Paul to use here are very significant. We are a new creation. We have to be a new creation because it was a problem with us in the first place. At the time of our First parents, Adam and Eve, sin entered into the world, and creation fell from what God had intended it to be all along. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, we read these words. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The newness that we have in Christ is a restoration of all that God had intended mankind to be before sin entered into our world. The intent of our newness is that we who were by very nature, by virtue of being born sinful, objects of God's wrath have now become the friends of God. And the fellowship and the relational connection... That Adam and Eve enjoyed with God before the fall has been restored and is available to us because we're in Christ. Oh, sin still has its consequences, friends. Like, I'm, I'm painfully aware of that. It still has its consequences. And we still see some of the results of sin in our lives. But we have been forgiven and are cleansed from all of our sin if we're in Christ. And we have become a new creation Something that we need to learn to work out and to live out every day. Are we experiencing all that this newness brings because of our position in Christ? You know, there's no physical change that comes with this newness. I I wish there was. (laughs) Like if you were short before you became a Christian, you're still short probably. You know, if you, had a, if you had a big nose before you became a Christian... You ...likely you still got a big nose. If you had lots of... Well, actually, if you had lots of hair before and now you don't... Anyways, I, you know, probably shouldn't go with that one. 1 John 3, 2 says this as an encouragement to us. Dear friends, now we are the children of God. Positionally, that is who you are and who I am. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears... We shall be like him, for we will see him as he is. One day we will see Jesus face to face. And when we do, we will be changed, including a physical transformation that will happen. No longer will we struggle with these bodies that are subject to injury and decay, but we will be like him. One author that I read studying for this message said this, You have to know and believe positional truth in order to successfully progress in your sanctification. Positional sanctification is the basis for our progressive sanctification. In other words, you have to know some things about who you are... before you can actually start experiencing them. If you don't know some things about yourself... how on earth do you start experiencing them on a daily basis? And the more you know about who God says you are... the more you'll grow as a follower of Jesus Christ... And as a human being. And this whole series that we're going to study over the summer is designed for you and for me to know some things that God says are true about us. So that we can dispel the lies that so many of us are trapped in. And then having known some things about ourselves, we can now begin to live in the light of that truth. And that's our purpose. And that's our hope. And that's our goal, and that's our prayer for us as a church over these summer months. That we will begin to really know who we are. The full extent of this newness. And that we will begin to experience life on a daily basis as we make choices to to surrender to the lordship of Jesus. So that we can begin to experience the fullness of everything that Christ wants us to experience. And so that's our launch for this summer. I hope that you're intrigued. I hope that you're excited. I hope that you'll come back. And if you can't be here, just check it out online every week. But let's stay connected to what's going on and what's being taught here at C4 Church so that you and I can grow in our relationship with Christ. Let me pray as Steph and the team come back and get ready to lead us. So Lord, first of all, thank you so much for all that you have done in saving us. And thank you, Lord, you know, that there's so much wrapped up in our salvation. Sins forgiven, heaven awaiting, freedom, but so much more, Lord. You have been so gracious and so all encompassing in the salvation that you've provided. And in my humble prayer, Lord, for us as individuals, and as a church together, is that we'd begin to understand and to really know and believe what you've said about us. So I pray for truth to prevail over this congregation and its individuals all summer long, and I pray then, Lord, that you'd give us the courage to start surrendering so that we can actually live the way you want us to live. And we ask all of this for your glory and for your honor in Jesus' name. Amen.